with friends, leaders in the community, and other great conversationalists. This episode, Rainey of Not So Relevant Podcast joins me to discuss an issue that took place in the Parliament House in Australia. And the issue really morphs and changes from there to discuss how we treat women when they decide to disclose an incident of sexual assault or sexual harassment. We discuss the pressure and the expectations that are on women when they decide to disclose and when they decide to tell their story. For instance, we always discuss what she might have had on or the decision she made, whether the decision to wait or how she might tell her story. There is a lot of examination that the abuser doesn't seem to experience. There is a lot more grace that is shown the abuser or the alleged abuser in many cases. And we really discuss that and discuss how that impacts women and how it impacts their decision to discuss their experience. So as you listen, I hope this episode challenges you to think about your own thoughts and biases you might have when women disclose their experience in regards to sexual assault and sexual harassment. Again, thank you for listening. I hope this episode finds you well. And remember to add three things to your cup to get you through your day and your week. So, welcome to Coffee and Combo Training. I am very excited that we're, we're chatting again. Yes, me too. So, for those of you listening and you're like, who is this new voice? This is Rainy of well, you rebranded, and I'll tell you a little bit. Yes. I'll let you explain that. So, of not so irrelevant podcast. That's the new brand name, right? Yeah. Okay, and so she's here to talk about a very interesting article and a very interesting topic as far as women women not being safe in their place of work, but specifically in um their place of political work. So uh, for us, it'd be like the capital, but for you guys in Australia, it would be like your, your parliament, parliament, correct? Yeah. Awesome. So my coffee and combo question, which, you know, for those of you who follow me on Instagram, no rainy was on here on Instagram. And she talked about, you know, being a coffee or a tea person, but for those of you who might've missed out, uh, Shara, are you a coffee person, a tea person? What kind of cup do you like? I am a coffee person, but because it's so hot here, I pretty much only drink iced coffee. Mm. So like how would, like what would your perfect cup look like or what would it taste like? Well, it looks like this, (laughs) but um, relatively strong, but I do put like chocolate syrup in my coffee as well. So good. Yeah. So good. So like strong with a sweet touch to it. Yeah. Yep. Not too bitter. Love it. 
right? Not too bitter. That's yeah. always what gets me with coffee is sometimes it has that bitter taste. Yeah. So if I'm going to dab, I need to sweeten it. Yeah. <laughs> but share with us a little bit about your podcast, like how you got started and what led you to rebrand. Yeah, it started with my friend and I, this is very, the way it started, we used to go out and we would drink. And when we would come back at the end of the night, we would just set our phone up and record our conversations. So it was just like our drunken rambling. And it started like that and then sort of eased into, I started my own podcast and it was just like lighthearted conversation. But now a lot of the topics that I've been speaking to other people about and what they want to hear about um, go a lot deeper. And I don't think that the name Irrelevant Advice um, suits what I talk about anymore because it is all very relevant and relevant Mm. to a lot of people. So I thought I don't want um, my label to be misinterpreted for the things that I'm talking about. Absolutely. That that's beautiful. And I think especially, you know, you might start out doing one thing and then you it always takes reflection. And I think through this conversation, I hope the takeaway is, you know, you always have to be in a place of reflection because what might have started out okay, it doesn't mean it necessarily was wrong. And sometimes it is, but sometimes it doesn't mean it was wrong, but sometimes it's like it doesn't fit anymore. Yeah. Yeah, you got to give yourself room to grow. I love that, right? You have to give yourself room to grow. Can you tell us a little bit about the article that we are discussing here? Because it was really interesting hearing about this woman and her story. So just share with us kind of what brings us today. Yeah, so in 2019, a... A lady started her job in our parliament house here and recently she has come out. She sent an email to a higher up lady in parliament saying that she was basically raped in the parliament house by um, someone who is now quite high up in our Labor Party. So she's come forward with her story and through her story lots of other women have like from the parliament house have started coming forward with their stories as well but the way that our government has reacted to this allegation is disgusting they've gone the complete wrong way about it and of course it is the men in parliament who seem to be the ones who are speaking about it on a women's issue because you know you can't silence rich white men they always have to have their say in it so she has received a lot of slander for it and in the process of that every woman who has told their own story is now once again being given slander and being dragged through the mud and having everything thrown at them to make them seem as if it was their fault and really really harshly victim blaming these women Because in the instance of um, her name was Brittany Higgins, she was drinking after a celebration at the Parliament House and was she passed out, woke up, and she was being raped. And the man who did it was um, 
whoever let her in or whatever it was was let go a few days later but it didn't have to do with the sexual assault it was because of a breach of privacy in the parliament house and of course because she's coming out two years later they're just trying to tear her down for it in reading the article it, it's sad, but I, I went through and I was looking, I'm like, okay, they're going to discredit her for this, for this, for this. She went out and because she voluntarily walked with him back to the office, you know, yeah. it, it's going to be like, well, she, why didn't she stop there? Why did she go out with a drink with him? You know, why yeah. did she wait? There's all these things that women have to take into account when disclosing their story or just even deciding to report their story and the men always get the courtesy of saying the alleged perpetrator or to somehow discuss all the reasons why he should be forgiven if in fact he did this this uh, uh, this act and you do not see that level of humility and grace with these women Yep. Everyone um, gives the men the benefit of the doubt saying, like, how could you um, come out with this? This is going to ruin his career. Not even taking a second to think about the fact that this has ruined her life. She is a scared woman now. Like this has impacted her a lot, but they don't care about that. They just care about he was a successful businessman and now the truth has come out and his truth is hurting him. They're not, it's not lies that are hurting him. He's done it to himself. He's done it to someone else. And for some reason he is coming out looking like the victim. Right. Right. And, and I love how you said his truth is hurting him because really that's what it is. You know, you did something, it was wrong. It is now caught up with you. And you don't want the consequence. And, and that's just not real life. But on the up other hand, that has been real life for men in power where their yeah. bad behavior gets excused because of their power. And yeah, it's scary and unfortunate. It really is. And just the way that all of the interviews with the media have gone it really goes to show how little men really understand what they're doing and their actions. Like our Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, in an interview he said that he relies on his wife to explain to him why it's wrong. His wife said to him, and he quoted this, He said, um, she said to him, you need to think about it. What if this was your daughter? It takes him thinking of it as his child before it means anything to him. It doesn't matter that she's a person, a woman, a young woman, Does that doesn't matter. He needed his wife to explain to him why rape is bad and that is the leader of our parliament right now. I think that is a really good way to sum up that. I mean, like, how scary that is, that women have to be compared to or 
humanized by being associated with your sister, your child, your this. Again, some object of that man in relation to him in order to justify. I mean, like you said, rape is wrong, period. No matter what the situation is, no matter what the modifier or whatever, but that's never enough. It's always, yeah, yeah, but you know how men are or, well, he was young or there's always this excuse. And women always have to be so extra accountable for their actions and his actions. Yep. Everything about preventing rape is based on don't do this, don't do that for women. There's You yes. won't see anything out there saying, hey, men, don't rape women. Or if you think you're going to rape a woman, walk away. There's nothing about right. that. And it's really disgusting and disheartening to see the amount, just even on Facebook threads, the amount of women tearing her down and blaming her. And it's it's a lot of the time women who don't realise that they are affected by this as well. We talk a lot here right now about the 97%, which is 97% of women have experienced sexual assault in their life. Um, mm. We That's a lot in our media right now. So many women don't even realize that they are part of the 97%. It took me a second to sit down and think to myself and be like, okay, I am part of that 97% because we're so conditioned to think if I wasn't raped, as in he had sex with me, then it doesn't count. This is taking into account women who have been groped or cornered I was 15 years old and I was locked in a bathroom and a friend tried to rape me. And it took me a minute to sit down and think, I think that was sexual assault because we're just so, you know, everything is pushed aside and it's, oh, maybe he just misunderstood the situation or this and that. So I think, you were too flirtatious. Yes. You, you know, what did you have on? Yeah, I think mm-hmm. too many of these women aren't realising that these things are happening to them or they're not realizing that it's not supposed to be happening to them. That's not normal. And they're just so Mm -hmm. used to it because we've all dealt with it since we were teenagers, just being conditioned to be like just accepting of these circumstances. So a lot of women don't realize it. And then they're tearing down other women who are speaking their truth and telling their stories. Absolutely. And I think it's really key what you said about, women have been conditioned for so long as to this is how you behave in the presence of a man, right? Like whether, you know, you make sure your skirt is a certain length or you sit this way or you do this or do that um, to protect yourself. But the mere fact that you feel you need to protect yourself is an issue. Or I feel like in an effort to, to put women against each other, it's, you know, well, you have to be modest, well, like just because yeah. someone has a tank top doesn't mean that they are inviting, yeah. you know, assault. Like we do these things to normalize this behavior, which also, again, puts it on women and doesn't allow men to be accountable for their own actions. Yeah, definitely. There's no restrictions on what a man gets to do, what he gets to wear, how he speaks, how he interacts. He can go out and drink with his friends 
And the most he's worried about is getting into a bar fight, whereas Mm -hmm. women are constantly on guard when we go out. The amount of times, just the other weekend I was at our local pub, we were dancing because there was a live musician there, and there was probably only six of us out there dancing. A guy came up to me and asked me to dance with him, and I said, oh, no, thank you. And as soon as I said that, he was just upset with it. And I'm just lucky. Like how dare you? Yeah, I'm lucky that when I go out, my guy friends are quite big guys and they're very, I feel as I'm very lucky living in a small town, it's hard to find people with the mindset that I have. They, Everyone's got a little bit of small town syndrome and the men think that they need to be big manly men and, you know, they're not allowed to be feminist, but I'm very lucky that my male friends are very much feminist and they understand that these things aren't okay and them protecting is not a, I'm a man so I need to protect you. It's a, no, you're vulnerable because you're a woman and these men don't know how to interact with human beings so we also have to be on the lookout for you. I like how you said that these men don't know how to interact with human beings. And I think that really shifts the conversation because it, it when getting, when we're talking about sexual assault, sexual harassment, it's these little women have to be protected because they're not strong. And it's like, no, these women want respect because they are human and want to have respect. Yeah. I was just yesterday, actually in a conversation There's a photo of our prime minister at the moment. Um, He's talking to a a lady at her workplace. It's her workplace. She's a tradeswoman. She was sitting at her office desk and there's an empty seat right next to her. But instead of sitting in the seat, he sits on the table and talks down at her. And there's a big conversation going on right now about why that is an issue and I was speaking to someone about it and a lot of the time if someone does these kinds of things they aren't okay with the conversation and they were defending oh well in my workplace like I sit on the desks and talk to people and they don't mind and I had to very explicitly say to them Well, put it this way, I personally do not appreciate or respect when I'm sitting at my desk at my office and my supervisor or boss or anyone comes and sits on my desk and talks down to me, whether they're a male or a female, it's not a sign of respect. It's not a sign of comfort in the workplace. That doesn't mean that we're friendly. This is a family workplace. We're all close. It doesn't mean that. And they said to me, well, if my staff have an issue with it, then they need to say that to me. And I said, I would not feel comfortable confronting my boss like that and saying something like that. If it's your workplace, it is your responsibility to take into account the feelings and the comfort of your staff. I should not, as an employee, be having to go out of my way to say to my boss, hey, I don't appreciate you sitting on my desk and talking down to me. I would prefer that you sit next to me and we talk eye to eye at the same level. I would like to feel respected like that. So many people don't feel comfortable saying something like that. 
which is completely understandable. You shouldn't have to say something like that to begin with. If you want to sit and lean on someone's desk and have a casual conversation, it's so simple to say, hey, do you mind if I lean here while I just chat with you? And you, you're you not taking time out of your day to do that. It's a two-second snippet of your day to ensure that your employees are comfortable in the workplace because that is the key. You're not going to have staff who stick around or are committed to their work and come in happy every day if you're not going out of your way to help them feel comfortable in a place where they spend 40 hours a week. Absolutely, absolutely. And I loved how you talked about normalizing that because we do that, right? You know, you you go out somewhere like, hey, can I sit in this seat, right? Same thing, like, hey, do you mind if I sit here, right? Yeah. It's just about normalizing, I'm going to treat you with respect. Yeah. And I also like how you talked about the onus is on the employer because yeah. we have to remember the employee is not in a position of power and the employer yeah. has, you know, it could be the best employer, most sensitive, you know, employer, great boss. However, they are in a position of power. And it is really hard to be like, hey, I really don't like that, especially when they don't create that culture and say, hey, yeah. what's comfortable for you? It's about just normalizing that conversation. Um, the same way we, we understand yeah. that teachers and things are in a position of power. So there is guidelines on how to interact with children because you are in a position of power. Yeah. It's just being aware of that and how that affects the dynamic in the workplace. Absolutely. Yeah. Going along with like teachers and how they interact with students as a parent as well, we're told that to communicate with a child effectively, you get down to their level and you speak eye to eye to them because they don't they don't listen to you when you're talking down to them and you're not on their level. They feel as if someone is talking down to them. You could be having a positive conversation or trying to instill positive reactions to negative things, but you're speaking down to them still. So they're not going to interpret what you're saying in the same way. If you get on their level, they understand, oh, you're trying to connect with me the eye contact and just being at the same level does so much. And if we're told to do that with students and children, when does that when does that stop being effective? That it's not because they're kids and they don't understand. It's because they're humans. That is how humans need to interact and should interact. If we can do it with kids, it doesn't go out of style with age. It stays true whether you're 50 or 25. Eye contact is so key to a lot of communication, especially if you're speaking to someone who doesn't interact well or doesn't have the best social skills or might be on the spectrum. Being at their level is so, so helpful for communication because a lot of people can't keep eye contact. But just the fact that you are there and looking at them and you're on the same level You're not going to make them feel inferior or little and they will feel more comfortable talking to you then. They're not going to feel like a little person and be constantly on guard because they're not worried about that anymore. Absolutely, absolutely. And I love how you said, like, where does that go, right? And it has nothing to do with, well, they're little and they don't understand. But I think that it's about value and we put certain value on whether it's a position of power and like 
I feel like we saw this here in America with Donald Trump. And so all these women, all these women had, had discussed their sexual encounters with him, how he, he made them uncomfortable, whatever it might have been. And the thing, even just the things, if we, we take that out, just the things and the ways he referred to women, right? And he always got a pass. And we do this thing yep. with people that are powerful where it's like, well, their power protects them. And I, I think that lack of accountability creates this narrative of, well, other people in power can do that. And how, what is the yeah. culture around sexual assault and harassment with you guys? Like, do you guys see that a lot with, you know, men in power just taking advantage? Are you guys more like, Hey, we're going to rally around this woman? Like what is the whole culture like there? Um, I think in the sense of like our government, our, there's a lot more um, discussed with the things that our prime minister is saying. And on a scale, the things that he's saying do not amount to the things that Donald Trump has said. From our stance, when we watch the things that Donald Trump has said, it is just general disgust by the entire country. But because we compare Australia to America so much here, everything gets downplayed. So the things that our um, government representatives are saying is always, well, at least he's not saying this, at least he's not saying that. And we have been very lucky to have some great journalists and reporters that have been at these conferences that the things have been said at and it's great to see that a lot of these are men and they're calling him out on it and they're saying, why is that your response to this? Why are you reacting like that? And instead of having an intelligent response, our prime minister just sort of has a go at them somewhat. So he doesn't take responsibility of the things that he's saying and there's always going to be people who aren't for the movement but we're very lucky that um a lot of our country is trying to stand together and the shit or crap thing about our country is that a lot of it is so bogan so there is a very like yeah outback mindset of boys will be boys I feel like Mm. boys will be boys is like a key term for Australia Mm. and we have genuine government issued um, commercials on our tv basically trying to combat that stereotype um, saying that no boys won't be boys boys hitting girls when they're younger or bullying girls when they're younger it's not boys will be boys we need to get them out of this stage when they're little. Otherwise, they're going to think, well, I can, boys will be boys when I'm 25. They're never going right. to grow out of it. We need to unlearn these things because right. a lot of people are taught it at a young age and they're just used to it. And so much of Australian culture is, well, that's just how I was raised. I was raised like that. So that's what my mum and dad thought. That's what I think. I'm never going to go out of my way to learn anything different especially when you live in a small town. God, you'll never change someone's mind in a small town. 
living in a city, you are exposed to a lot more. So you're more likely to come into close contact with people that are very, very different to yourself. Whereas when you're in a small town, you know the same people that you grew up for most of your life. I know the same people that I went to preschool with, not particularly friends with them, but I know them and I see them quite a lot because it's a small town. And a lot of them still have that kind of mindset because they never left their small town and their bubble to go out and explore the diversity of our country because we are one of the world's most diverse countries but we just don't we take it for granted Mm. so many so many good points um I have a question but first I I love how you talked about um diversity because I feel here in America we tend to be very like nationalistic like we only think about America and American things and we don't let the input from others and so these issues become so politicized right so like if you're like for we want women to feel equal and feel safe it's like well that's a a a conservative issue or like a liberal issue. And, you know, it it becomes this politic thing instead of like, this is human decency. And so I like how you talked about, you know, like boys will be boys as a cultural thing or like a generational thing versus a political thing. So is it political there or is it more of like, this is a human issue for you guys? Um, The, it's a bit of both really. It is a definitely a human issue for us, but because it's now reached parliament, as in it literally happened in our parliament house. It is very political now. And because it is a government representative that's being accused of it, it is very, very political. But for a long time, it has just been a human issue. And women have been fighting it for generations now there's a reason why we are where we are and we are able to speak out about these things on a public status and have it monetized and have it really out there but there's still so much more to do and the fact that it is in our politics now is a great step because it's shoving it down everyone's throat and you can't ignore it anymore absolutely absolutely and Another thing I wanted to explore is, you know, the choice to come out and talk about it. I think that if we can, not if, but when we make women equal, equal in the sense of they belong in this space, they have a right to share their opinion, they have a right to be looked at as they fit in these positions of power, Um, men are accountable for their actions, just like women are accountable for their actions, I think it will take the stigma out of coming out. Because so often I feel like women have to factor in how will this affect my children? How will this affect my life? How will this affect my career? There's all these things, not even just the trauma of how is coming out against such a public thing going to affect the re-traumatization of what I went through. But it's very practical steps. um, And what do you think that does for women when deciding to come out or like, how do we fix that? I know that with the younger generation, I think we're definitely calling a lot more out, but 
just even with this woman coming out, it's inspired a lot of people to do it. But I can definitely tell that it's probably scared a lot of women as well because of the backlash that she's gotten. There needs to be more protection around these women and there needs to be a really big push, not for protection in the sense that they're protected legally. It needs to be that they have a really solid community around them who are making sure that these things aren't going to get to them. Because I know, like, when you come out about these things, even if in the moment, when, as I said, when I was 15 and I got locked in the bathroom, I was just very lucky that one of the boys outside at a party heard it and basically broke the door down. I was very lucky. But these boys who were there and got me out of that situation are still friends with those with the guy they it didn't change their opinion of him it just was a oh we reacted in the moment but we're not gonna take it any further we're not gonna think any further of it and it made me feel as though well I shouldn't think anything more of it it needs to really really be shoved in people's faces it there's so many things that are like um what's the word for it for just performative activism so when Mm. in the media we're worried about it and we're taking our stand and doing our part but a lot of that is just because you don't want to be the person who's not saying something you don't want to be the one who's forgotten about or not in the middle of it all you don't actually care though it needs to be an ongoing thing because I can tell you right now this will die down and everyone will forget about it and then it will be until the next woman comes out and it's not going to end. It's just going to be, oh, another woman said this. Let's all jump on the bandwagon, say our two cents and then get out. We need to be constantly. It's the same with every issue. Black Lives Matter. It's takes it. It'll be in there for three months and then we don't hear about it again until something goes big on social media. It doesn't stop happening. It doesn't, it's not that it's not happening in those times. It's just that it's not in our social media and it's not recorded right in your face. So you can't ignore what's actually happened. It needs to be an ongoing thing. And so much of it gets removed off of Facebook or social media and then just shut down and ignored and people continue to suffer and you see these women not have any good outcomes and you just think, well, it didn't go anywhere for her and now she, everyone just hates her. Why would I bother to say anything? Absolutely. Um, beautifully said. Um, I think definitely creating that community around women who decide to, to disclose um, and also holding space for women who are not ready to disclose because when we're talking about trauma, just because something happened today, doesn't mean someone's ready to talk about it today. It could be a week. It could be a month. It could be a year. It could be 10 years. And I think normalizing that conversation of how people deal with trauma, because that's what it is. It's not like, Oh, well, he's now successful. She wants to say something maybe she's in a place where she is able to deal with her trauma 
and able to deal with it publicly, let alone like people deal with trauma every day and they don't talk about it. Right. Mm -hmm. But to deal with it on a public scale is very different. And then to be victimized, to be um, not by men, but also by women, um, it, it can be very scary and very cold. And so also to your point about, you know, when the the boys came to your aid, they still were friends with him. And then that just reinforces like, okay, well, maybe I was crazy. Maybe it wasn't that bad. Yeah. But also uh-huh. like creating a culture of being introspective and just aware of your own implicit bias, right? Because we all have yeah. it, right? And that's why issues, they come up and then we're like, okay, I don't, I don't want to put in the work anymore. And they go back. But listeners, I I hope as you listen, I hope this charges you to think about what are the biases that you have? Like, do you feel that women need to are are the are responsible for making sure they're protected? Do you feel that a man gets a pass because he's successful? Because too often we are seeing this narrative. This woman is not the first. It's It's not an Australia issue. It's not an American issue. It's a global issue where women are always at the, the lower end of, do I come out? Do I feel protected? And that really requires a global cultural shift of gender inequality. Yeah, absolutely. And we need to make sure that a lot of people don't realize that something has happened to them because of the shock response to it. So it can take months, years to even acknowledge to yourself what's actually happened. I was speaking to a friend um, the other day and we were talking about this issue and she said um, she was raped and she didn't even realize that it was rape for two years. Mm. And she's very comfortable to talk about it, but she's never going to do anything about it because she knows that nothing's going to come of it. She'll tell her story, but she's not going to press any legal action because she knows what will happen and she knows that it's not going to go anywhere. If she didn't even believe that it was rape, she why would someone else? So she, we need to make sure that we're creating safe spaces for people to when they're ready, come out about it. doesn't matter how long it's been. And it doesn't mean that because they're coming out about it that we need to do something. They just need to have a safe space to tell their story because so much of it is if it's on your shoulders and you haven't said it out loud, I know personally I need to say things out loud to get it off. I can think about it. Mm -hmm. I can acknowledge it. I can try to move past it. But until I physically say it out loud to someone, it will never go away. And we just need to create spaces like that for people who just need to tell their story and feel heard. Absolutely. Because I think the other side is, you know, especially if someone is out there is listening and has been in that situation and you're just like, hey, I, I don't want to to be that woman out there, that poster child for this. That's okay too. Whatever your response to your traumatic or stressful event is normal and you need to normalize your own experience, right? Whether you just want to tell your family, your group of friends, or whether you want to do a post about it and never talk about it again, whatever your response is, just normalizing the space for that and and normalizing, 
while my personal opinion is, you know, these men, you know, go get them, sit them down and all that. But, you know, on a serious note, you know, normalize your own healing and what it takes for you to have your own healing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like I, the guy that did it to me, I still live in the same town as him. I still see him around. I still get in situations where I have to talk to him or interact with him. So it's not going to be something that I'm ever going to, I don't tend to hold grudges. I know what kind of person he is, but it's going to hurt me more to be angry about it for the rest of my life. So I am someone to move on from things. Doesn't mean that I forget, doesn't mean that it's okay, but I'm allowing myself to move on from that hurt and just Mm -hmm. try to gain my own comfort back. I love that allowing yourself to move on and gaining your comfort because it really is. It's allowing yourself. It's not about giving that person power or letting that person get away, but you have to allow yourself to heal and you have to be ready to make the choice because healing is not easy. It is, it's work and it's hard. And you have to be in a space that you can do that. And I think it goes back to what you said about creating communities where people feel heard and feel safe. Um, so thank you so much for, for sharing. Um, please keep us updated about um, what happens in the situation and how you guys yeah. over there deal with it. Because I think we tend over here in America to push this under the rug. We talk about it and then we don't want to talk about it anymore. So keep us updated. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely happens everywhere. It is a big thing and then it's not a big thing because it might be too uncomfortable to talk about or I know personally like when things come up in social media and there's videos and stuff so much that I can't bring myself to watch it because I know it's just going to make me angry or I can't read it because I know that I will be upset and I'll be frustrated so I can imagine that there's so many other people feeling the same way they don't want to discuss it because it brings up feelings that they don't want to be feeling. Mm, absolutely absolutely and before I ask you um, my last question please share where people can find your podcast anything new any last words um, share with the people yep um, my podcast on Instagram it's not so irrelevant the podcast and you can find the podcast on pretty much any of your listening platforms Spotify Apple Podcasts all those, it's all there. And on my Instagram, I have links to it as well for you to find that stuff. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Um, Rainy, do not be a stranger. And my last question is what's in your cup? And this is where I ask my guest and my listener, what three things are they adding to their cup to get them through their day and their week? And while you think of your answer, I'll give you mine. So the three things I need this week um, I want some sunshine. Like we're up here. Um, I'm in, uh, the new England side of America. We had some peaks of sun and like warm weather, and then it came back to cold. So I really just need that sun and, and that nature to, I can just recharge and just feel that energy. Um, so I need nature, I need sun. And then the last thing I need, um, 
I need good people like you, Rainy, and I need these conversations because they energize me and they remind me that even though there are is darkness sometimes in this world, that there are people out there willing to do this hard work of activism and advocacy um, because it's not for everyone. And, and everyone needs a voice for those who are not in the place or able to speak up. And so continue doing the work that you're doing. And that's my cup. I need good people, nature, and sun. What about you? I definitely this week need some rest and relaxation. I am so, so tired right now. I binge watched a show over the weekend and I thought that was going to be my (laughs) relaxation. It wasn't because I ended up staying up way too late. So now I'm just tired. (laughs) So some rest would definitely do me well. I feel like I'm going to need a lot of tolerance this week because I know that the George Floyd case is going to trial, so we'll definitely be um, watching along with that. I feel like I'm definitely going to need some tolerance to deal with social media and just our news outlets and the things that will absolutely be thrown around and said. And we all know that George Floyd's character will once again be tried to be torn down. And I need a little bit of joy, so I'm going to spend as much time with my daughter as I can to try to take away from the frustration of everything else that's going on. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Again, do not be a stranger to Coffee and Convos. I look forward to being a guest on your show. Um, Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Listeners, take care. And Rainy, have a very great rest of your your morning and your day over there. Thank you. Have a good night and a good sleep, I guess.